Turn with me again to the book of Hebrews. We're coming to a close, maybe today, on Old Covenant sympathy and New Covenant empathy. Hebrews chapter 4, please. Hebrews chapter 4. I want to make it uh, that those who have not been here over so many weeks to follow uh, this series that we have done, I want to make it that you'll be able to pick something up and take something home out of it this morning. And it's Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now keep your Bible open, for we will be referring to it. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now just to settle us in this house, in your presence. And Lord, may our hearts be open to your word that you would speak to us and strengthen us and help us, encourage us, convict us, challenge us. Lord, whatever you see fit, whatever your will is, that you would reach into us, Lord. And Lord, that we would know that we have met with you this morning, that your word, Lord, would become real and manifest and, Lord, it would become tangible to our lives, that it would change us to some degree that you would have us to be. And Lord, that you would turn our hearts and our thoughts and our fears and our anxieties and all our worries or stresses or whatever it is that comes upon us, Father, that we would know that we have been with you this morning, that your spirit has moved in us, your word is planted in us, and your son, your son, he just loves us. He died for us. And he has risen for us, praying for us, our great high priest the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name, Father, that you would bless and encourage on the left hand and on the right and draw us close to you this morning, young and old, newborn babies to the older generation, we pray, Lord, that we would know the very presence and power of God this morning and take it home, Lord, for this week that we may thrive on the word and live by it. Help us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name I ask it and for his glory. Amen. You know, in verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, notice what the Apostle says here. Let us therefore come. We have looked at all of this. We'll not go through it, obviously. But the title of this series has been Old Covenant Sympathy and New Covenant Empathy. And the theme being that God, who is the one true living God, he hasn't changed from old and new, but rather he has become manifest, he has revealed himself, he has become known to us in different forms and variations, i.e. whether it was a burning bush or whether it was in his power and glory by opening the Red Sea. He became known to us through his, his name, uh, I am the Lord that healeth thee, and uh, Jehovah uh, Shama, Jehovah Nisai, Jehovah Mekadeshkim, and the Lord to sanctify thee. I am the Lord who will never leave thee nor forsake thee. All of these names was God revealing himself more and more and more. The same God, not different. 
Yahweh, Jehovah as many call him. And he reveals himself, the Lord who will provide, the Lord who is with thee, the Lord who is present. And all of these are God saying, this is who I am. For no man can know God and who he is except God. The Spirit of God reveals him. So throughout the Old Testament, God appears as a theophany, an angelic appearance. Although he's Almighty God and not an angel, he's the creator of angels. But he appears as a theophany, as it's known. And he shows himself uh, to Joshua. He shows himself um, to Gideon. He shows himself to Abraham. shows himself over and over again. But the greatest manifestation... And the greatest revelation of Almighty God is in the person of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this. God, who at sundry times and divers manners, in other words, in different periods of times in various ways, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, notice, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, This is what we're saying. He speaks through prophets, but he manifests himself as theophany, burning bushes, and so on. Verse 2, hath in these last days, what are the last days? The days are post-cross, post-Calvary, when Christ has risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is our great high priest, our intercessor in the glory, the man who stands at the right hand of the majesty on high, in place and in power, back where he once once belonged, now he is back to it again. And there we have him there. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the last days that this has happened. God has spoken unto us by his Son. The greatest revelation of Almighty God is in the person of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When he had appointed, when he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Notice verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high. And being made so much better than the angels, as, hath, as he hath an inheritance obtained, a more excellent name than they. Here the writer tells us that God who came, who came in the person of his son, who died on the cross of Calvary, who shed his blood, he by himself, no other means or method or way, purged our sin. So the same man, Notice this, the same man, God manifest in flesh. The same man, the Son of God. The same man who hung on the cross was God hanging on the cross in the person or a body of flesh. And it means here that that same man who purged our sins, he is the same man who went to the grave. He is the same man who rose again the third day. He is the same man whom the apostles seen go into the heavens He is the same man who's at the right hand of the majesty on high. And what is that? He is our great high priest. Turning into our reading in Hebrews chapter 4. Here we have him pictured in glory. Here we have him pictured at the majesty or in the place of power and authority before his father in heaven. Chapter 4. And verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest, notice, that has passed into the heavens. The idea is the word dia, which means to go right through the heavens, right through where the clouds are. 
the first heaven right through where outer space is, the second heaven right through to the heavens where God's immediate, as it were, presence and angelic realm is somewhere out in the heavens. That's the idea. He ascended out and there he stands before God praying for you this morning. You know, many people say, and I, I, and again, I've probably done it this morning and I try not to. Uh, and Alison would say to me sometimes, Ken, when I'm praying sometimes, I pray for everybody collectively. I say, well, I do. But I would sit and meticulously go through people praying for this, praying for that. And I pray and pray and pray for it. And that's how I would pray. And she says, it takes you so long sometimes because you're dissecting it and you're going, I said, well, that's how I'm going to pray that to see God move and change these things. But sometimes I do forget because after all, I'm not perfect and I'm only a human. But at the same time, when I forget, Christ himself never forgets. Christ himself is the one interceding in your behalf. And we don't have anyone else interceding. We don't have anyone else standing between God and man. There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, Paul tells us. And this is him in Hebrews 4 and verse 14. It's not a dead relative and it's not a saint, neither is it Mary or anyone else. But it is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Right now, as you're sitting here, right now this morning, On the 13th of July, 2014, as you're sitting listening onto the sound of the word and you're saying, oh, I wasted a prayer for me. Christ is praying for you right now. There's a man in the glory and he stands showing his wounds and spreading his hands as the great hymn writer uh, Charles Wesley wrote. He says, there for me the Savior stands. He shows his wounds and spreads his hands. God is love, I know, I feel. Jesus lives and loves me still. Here we have the man in the glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, he is the same God. The Jehovah of the old is Jesus of the new. He isn't a second God or a secondary God or a different God. He is the exact same God manifest unto us. None other, none, no less, no, no one else, but he and he alone. The one who came to Daniel and the fire. He is the word of God, the logos, the mind, the will. Everything about the father and whom he is. The father, as it were, projects his mind as well as heart as thought and shows us himself. But how does the invisible eternal God show himself to us but by a body of flesh? Here's something for you this morning. Christian, here's something for you. Christ is here right now. But how will Christ manifest himself in our village? How will Christ manifest himself in your family? How does Christ become known in our nation? How does Christ become known in the countries around the world? How does he become known? He becomes known not by religion or good works, but through the Spirit and the Word of God in your life, Your life should show the glories of God. You are Christ's hands. You are Christ's feet. You are the body of Christ on earth. That is that mystical body as it's known. So Christ is manifest. He is known. He is revealed. His glory, his grace, his wisdom. It's all made known through the body of Christ. His power. That's why we must be at one with the Spirit. That's why we must be in Christ. Abide in me, says, and I abide in you. 
And if we are one with Christ, then we will show in our lives that whom Christ is. We will show him we are his body on earth. That's you, church, and that's me. Here we have the Lord has revealed himself in a body of flesh, a body thou hast prepared for me. And here he comes in that body. Oh, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O God. And here the psalmist is prophesying of the coming of Messiah, the coming of the Lamb of God, the the infilling and the, the absorption of a body filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is what we're seeing here. This is what we're looking at when we're reading the Bible. Do you see this book? This book will show you everything you need to know about Christ. For this is the embodiment of Christ, and Christ is the embodiment of this book. Get that into you. This is the Word of God to us. But He is the Word, and the embodiment, all that Christ is, is in this book, and all that is in this book is in Christ. And so when we are reading this book, we're looking for Christ. We're searching for Christ. We're wanting to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're reading this book, it's not just stories and fables and fantasies or fairy tales. It's not something we lift up every now and again and dust it off. We are wanting to know more about Jesus. This book shows the fullness of Christ. Our Bibles is the Word of God. And the Word of God was manifest in flesh. I hope we can get that this morning. So the old covenant showing this sympathy. Sympathy is when we can sympathize with someone. Uh, and as I said before, it's, not a, uh, the, it's the best word I could think of when I was doing this study. And the best word I could think of was if you're sympathizing with someone who's lost a loved one, say, or going through a terrible time, you come alongside them. You come and you speak to them comfortable words. You come and offer help. You come and you encourage them. You draw near to them to try and build them up and to help them along. Sympathy. But human sympathy tends to go a lot when we leave the person, our minds go somewhere else, to our own families, our own things. And every now and again, we think about them and pray for them. But God in sympathetic manner is stronger than that where he's always there wanting to help. But in the flesh, when God becomes flesh, when he hangs in the cross and dies, goes to the grave, he rises from the dead and he ascends into heaven, now standing at the throne of grace for you and I, now there is an open heaven for us, a new and living way has been consecrated where we can walk right into the presence of God. We don't need ritual or ceremony or or format. We don't need to have things sanctified before we can pray. I was down at Taras Hill. I brought a couple of pastors down a few years ago. And they wanted to hear about Taras Hill and the history behind it and the Irish kings on it and so on. And and, uh, there's meant to be... Well, they say there's the, the tomb of the Jewish princesses there... Uh, taken from it and that's another story and I'll tell you about that maybe some other time and and they says will you take us down do we read, we read about this we'd like to see it and I said surely and I brought them down and whenever I, I brought them down it's just really grass mounds and there's not a lot on it and a lot of sheep had been about there you could tell by 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 because there weren't any more you could tell sheep were there you know and we were I thought is this it is this all there is and this is the whole big story about it and there were couple of tombs and a stone and so on. So we're walking down and there's a little old stone church. 
And as he walked into the, the old stone church, they had turned it into an attraction for, for visitors. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's not a lot there. And I had no euro. And I, I said, do you take pounds sterling? He says, no, sorry. I said, is there anywhere we can get our money changed? No, sorry. Is there a bank here? You know, a hole in the wall. You know, an ATM? No, sorry. And one of the pastors was already in sitting waiting because we were going to show a film about Tara and all of what's happening around the area. And they came to me and they said, you need to get your friend out because we're going to start. He hasn't paid. <laughs> I said, we had no money. So I, I, one of the guys was, that was with us jokingly said to this fellow and girl who worked there, it's okay, he thinks it's his church, he's praying because there's hardly anyone there at the minute and he was sitting in this pew and they almost fainted. <gasps> Tell him he can't pray here because this place has been deconsecrated by the priest. Deconsecrated by the priest. You see, the idea is that there has to be a special consecration, a dedication for someone to pray somewhere or prayers to be made. Friend, the consecration's already been made. It's in our hearts. The consecration has been made the day you came to Christ. The consecration has been made in heaven where we can enter into the glory. The consecration has been laid down. It's called the new and living way. It's as though the blood has been shed just fresh right now. All over the the blood speaks as we walk into the presence of God. If you're a Christian, listen, you can walk into the presence of God right now in your seat. In the sense that you just say, Lord, I'm coming to you. You're right in your seat in the presence of God. In the car, the presence of God, you pull it over, you say, Lord, I'm in trouble and need help. You're right before the throne of grace, the presence of God. And there you find the man in the glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, who never fails, who is never discouraged, and will never let you down, neither leaves you nor forsakes you. And there he stands for you, interceding on your behalf. Here we find Christ, the man in the glory. That's what Hebrews 4 and verse 14 to 16 is telling us, have you troubles this morning? Temptations, trials, worries, stresses, anxieties, on and on and on. Circumstances you just can't change and you just don't know what way to think next. Go to the throne of grace today. Keep going to the throne of grace. What for? To obtain mercy and to find grace to help in a time of need. You're in a time of need, then go. Don't stay away. So because of whom he is, we have a high priest, verse 14, that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. You know, sometimes it's easy to give up, walk away. Sometimes it's too easy to say, ah, I'm giving up on this because it's seemingly like this trial's too long and things are too hard and the valley's too deep and the river's too wide and the mountain's too high and I can't get through this. And yet the the throne of grace is open to you all the time and we never seem to run into the arms of God. Run to the arms of God and hold fast to your profession. Christ for me. Hold fast to your profession. I'm trusting in the Saviour. Notice this, what he says, verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. In other words, now we're coming from Almighty God, the, the, the old covenant sympathy. Now he says, there's a new covenant. That is the covenant of blood when Christ died on the cross. He says, this new covenant, he says, there's empathy here because he knows how you feel. We have not come 
to our high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now that sounds like a conundrum. That sounds like a riddle. Uh, we have not come to a high priest. So have we come, have we not? Which cannot be touched. Can he be touched or can he not? There's two negatives here. And it means, look, when you come to Christ, you're coming to a high priest who knows exactly how you feel because he has been touched with the feeling of your infirmities. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows all about you as God and he understands you as a human being. Notice this, brothers and sisters. Now, God is omnipotent, all-powerful. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. And he is omniscient. He is all-knowing, of all, fountain of all wisdom and of all knowledge. We looked at some of this for a couple of weeks, but let me just run a few scriptures past you, try to encourage you. And we'll wrap it up and we'll do the last one for definite next week because that's only an introduction to this, what I wanted to say today, okay? So empathy is to walk in another's shoes. Empathy is to walk in another's shoes. When God became flesh, he not only came along to help us, to succor us, to encourage us, to lift us up, he, he actually became flesh to understand us. To understand our pain, to understand all of our weariness, to understand what trial is like. For God cannot be tempted, but when God took on a body of flesh, he was tempted in all points, like as we are. Like you are tempted, like I'm tempted, like trials would come, so was Jesus. Yet he was without sin, and you and I fall basically every hurdle, or many hurdles. Now notice this. Old covenant sympathy is that he comes alongside to encourage, to help, and he moves things out of our way, and he's sovereign and controlled. But new covenant empathy is when God takes on a body of flesh, he understands our very needs. And because of that, that's new covenant empathy. He's walked in our shoes. If you were to go, if you were to go to a, a place where there were alcoholics and and they were to talk to other alcoholics or drug addicts, know who the best person I believe to talk to them is? Those who have come from that background, who have been saved, and says, look, I was there. You feel like this. You think like that. This is what happens. Temptation comes to you like that. But here's who Christ is, what he can do. Look what he's done for me. And that's what grabs them. And people say, you've walked in my shoes. You didn't grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth, and you're just trying to talk down to me. You've come to my level, and you've shown me Christ can lift me up. If you, go to a, 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 if you go to someone who has cancer, you can try and help them and sympathize and encourage them. But if someone who's had it and has come through it can encourage them in that and know how they're doing or going through it with them, people find common strength, unity in that bond. So at the end of it here, what we're looking at is because God became flesh, he understands your flesh. He understands how you feel. He understands the thinking of man. He knows the thinking of man, but he understands everything that comes upon us. Notice this, Hebrews 4 and verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. In other words, God sees you like he sees through a, a, a pane of glass, plain glass. 
doesn't matter if you're hurting, doesn't matter if, if what you're thinking, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how you're, you're, you're reacting to things. God can read you uh, like an open book. Sees you, you can't hide it, you can't run from him. He sees everything that your heart needs. He knows everything your heart desires. He knows the sin of the heart and the darkness of the heart. But he also sees the need of the heart. So wherever you are, you can say, well, Lord, I, I, I need help because I'm struggling with an issue. He says, I know, bring it to me. Or I need help because I, I'm weak here. He knows, bring it to me. There's an open heaven. There's a throne of grace. And notice, it's not the throne of judgment. It's not a throne of condemnation. It's not a throne where you go to be beaten up. It's a throne of grace. A throne of grace. Throne of grace means you go there and God's divine influence comes upon your heart. And it becomes real to you. And you say, you mean I still can go on even though I've failed? And the answer is yes. You mean that you still love me even though I've let you down? The answer is yes. You know even though I've been wayward that you still love me and want me? The answer is yes. Do you know, on Friday evening was the roundup of the week-long Monday to Friday of the Treasure Seekers Children's Meetings. And I want to say again, I, I thanked them the other night, but I want to say all the teachers and the leaders, the helpers, everybody uh, from beginning to the ending, and Deborah especially for all the organization, it was absolutely fantastic. It was, the amount of children here must have averaged in 50 or so a night. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The kids had a great time. And I think the leaders had a great time. And the whole lot was just really good. We had a, a, a family night and a barbecue on Friday night. And there was one or two with a few spatulas going like Carla and a couple of others. And they're turning those burgers over. And I don't know, I, I would have cracked up with it. I just no good at that sort of stuff. But patience there. And there was kids playing about. And they had a, a, a meeting and then a puppet. So all this sort of stuff was going on. And while the men then were starting to clean up and clear up, and there was a, I, I was talking to someone out the back. I was talking to Greg out the back. And then someone came and says to me, there's a woman come in here. She wants to see you. She's been waiting at the back of the church. And I didn't know. And I walked up and round and in here. She was sitting right there where Barbara is. And I sat down beside her. I says, what's wrong? I talked to her a couple of weeks ago in a garage. I think I mentioned it to you, driving the youth bus over to leave it over. And she was a backslider. She's seen the church opens. So if this hadn't have been opened that Friday night and this wasn't going on, this wouldn't have happened. She came in, she says, I'm a backslider. She says that I need to come back to the Lord because I don't know if he'll accept me again. She says, I've just went wayward and I've done X, Y, Z and... I just don't know if he'll accept me again. I says, let me tell you, he's never left you. You've left him. And he's always loved you. You stop loving him. But he still loves you today. And you can come back to him now. Um, uh, myself and Mark went into the back room and she just broke down crying. Here's, a, here's the miraculous thing about it, the great thing. She came back to the Lord. And Mark, we're going to go. And Mark says, by the way, I believe the Lord's telling me, if you sore knees... <laughs> And she says, what? She says, if you sore knees, she says, I've had so many operations in my knees and I can't fix them. He says, 
I don't know. It just came to me. You have sore knees. And we prayed with her. And he says, and by the way, he says, your vertebrae, whatever number it was, that's damaged. And she says, how do you know this? He says, I don't. He says, I'm just going as though the Spirit's leading me. She says, I've been in and out of hospital with it. We prayed for her and the woman got up and she says, I'm feeling great. Walked out the door, praising God. So Deborah, if you hadn't had that vision for that, maybe that lady wouldn't have been here. All in God's plan. What am I saying this morning? There was an open door here, but there was an open heaven before the Father. And she was welcomed in, she was welcomed back, in spite of how far she had went away. He's a big heart of love. In fact, he's looking for her. He's waiting for her. And he was watching for her. And that heart of love, it's not about who we are and what we can do. Listen, your children, you don't love your children anymore because they learned to ride a bike. You love seeing them learn to ride a bike. You don't love your children anymore because they start walking about. In fact, when your children become uh, small, they're able to walk around the furniture, everything goes up a level or two because they're lifting everything. And you're, you're not allowed, you can't, you can't sit down as much. You're always running after them and lifting them. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more than he loves you right now. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you have to do. He just loves you as you are. And he says, will you come? Will you come? Notice this. I'm going to round this up and we'll go home a bit earlier. Notice this. It says that the Lord knows all about us. There's not a creature that's not manifest or revealed in his sight. That's you and I. But in all things are naked and open unto him, under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. In other words, his eyes see us in everything. Here's what I want to bring you, and then we'll start here next week. In 1 John 3 and verse 20, we mentioned this at the beginning of this series, that God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. Now, would you just listen just for this one bit? If you catch this, this will change your life. If you catch this, this will change your walk. If you just catch this and take it home, this will change your mind. If you catch this and let it drop into your heart, it will change you completely. First John, let me read it just to you. First John chapter 3. Verse 19 says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall, and shall assure our hearts before him. See the word assure. The word assure means our hearts will be tranquilized. Do you see the hurting heart? Do you see the burdened heart? The anxious heart? The distressed heart? 
Do you see the, the sinful heart that leaves it all before him and comes to him in faith and, and, and cries out for mercy? Every heart that comes to know him who he is, he says, your heart will be tranquilized. Stay with me now. Notice this. But if our heart condemn us, now notice this. Is your heart condemning you right now? Is your heart saying, he won't love me? He won't accept me? He won't have me? Is your heart saying, the Lord won't, won't put up with me? The Lord has left me? The Lord has forsaken me? Then your heart is lying to you. Your heart is lying to you. Your own heart is deceiving you, brother. Take this on board and it'll change your life. Here is the idea now. Take it into your heart and it'll change your walk. It'll change what you think of Christ. It'll change everything about you. It'll change your prayer life when you go before him. Now notice this. If our hearts condemn us not, we have confidence toward God. That's in verse 21. But my heart's condemning me. I have no confidence before God. Is that you this morning? My heart's condemning me. I have no confidence before him. Let's read verse 20 then before it. Verse 19 is going to tranquilize, assure us, make us that our hearts are at peace with him. Verse 20, for our heart, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. I'm hoping you're getting this this morning. I'm hoping every one of us are getting this. For It'll help you in your walk, help you in your prayer life. That when you're feeling, ah, I want to give up. God says, look, don't be condemned. Come to Christ. Come to my throne. He says, I'm greater than your heart. That's grace. That is grace. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Here God knows all things. He knows your heart, but he wants you to come with it. Tell him about it and leave it with him. Brothers and sisters, we will stop there this morning. I believe God has spoken we will do one more so we can come to the throne of grace. We will do one more of these in the Lord's will next week and then we'll move on to something newer. Something, if the Lord has it that way, something fresh. Bow with me in a word of prayer, would you? Just a question.